0: The fifth one, feelings are emotions that come from the core of our being and are essential parts of knowing our needs and taking care of ourselves. So one of the things that I really realized in my own recovery was that I had no idea how to parent myself. I depended on my parents to parent me and then once I was grown I just felt like well that's it but actually I needed to uh, be able to stay with my feelings and express my feelings but I didn't know how to do that without a good parent that was compassionate and loving and kind. I did not have that kind of parent inside of me. I had a very abusive parent inside of me that told me how awful I was. But the one that would be, I know, uh, that other people had as parents, I did not have that one. And working with people all these years, I have found out that even people with parents who were horrendous and came from horrible situations and also had parents that shouldn't have even had a goldfish, much less a child, they still know what a good parent is like. They know what a good mother is and a good father is. So my idea going through my own recovery was I had to get that um, good parent within me in order to stay with my feelings. I had to have help. I had to have somebody supportive and loving and kind in order to do that not knowing who that would be because I had no model for it at all. And to emotionally show up in the moment for myself as I went through especially really hard feelings and emotions, big feelings, to show up knowing my needs and knowing how to take care of those needs, I felt like Until I could really do that, most of the time, the behaviors were going to be there. And the behaviors could be anything from hating my body to overeating or undereating or smoking or drinking or spending too much money or going out with inappropriate people or whatever was my thing that I was using to get away from my feelings and myself. So I really love being here with Grace who I'm going to introduce because she embodies this so well of knowing how to reparent herself one of the things that we say she and I is that take care of the baby and you are the baby you're the baby take care of you so let me introduce my great friend Grace and she can introduce herself and then we'll have a talk
1: Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Grace Rico Pena. I'm a retired registered nurse of 50 years and I am also an herbalist. My main project in life right now is developing a system to help people navigate the healthcare system.
0: Yay. And
1: to be, uh, I am in the process of. Coaching people how to become their own healthcare advocates. And it's a great passion of mine. Um, and it comes out of my uh, many years of nursing. Uh, in nursing, it's part of our professional responsibility to become an advocate for our patients. Uh, but one really interesting dichotomy about nursing is that nurses very, very frequently and very commonly take care of everybody else around them and not themselves. And that's how I spent my whole life. I was used to that. I thought that was normal because all my friends were nurses and all my associates were nurses. And that's what I was seeing everybody doing. That's how we lived our lives. We experienced compassion or desire to help people, altruism, whatever you want to call it. And we became nurses, and then we dedicated ourselves to being the advocate for a patient that they couldn't be for themselves when they were ill. What was really interesting to me when I started working with Laura Lee was how other-directed I personally had been through my whole life. My mother was um a believer that if you are the oldest daughter in a big Catholic family, your job is to not be educated or not have your own life, but to stay at home, help your mother raise the family, and that that's the normal role. So my mother was anti-educational and probably a thousand times in my life told me your job in life is to take care of the family. Literally, those direct words. And then through many, many other ways in demonstrated that belief to me. <laughs> um, yeah. But you, you, <laughs> when somebody tells you that your whole life, you really don't know any other messages and you don't have any other way. And then I went right from high school graduation to nursing school at 17. And in... Nursing school, the entire focus was take care of your patients, take care of the others, take care of people who can't speak for themselves and uh, uh, become their advocates. And as I worked with Laura Lee on my own recovery, I began to see that I was advocating for everybody all my friends, all my patients any other interests that I might have except for myself. I didn't have any self-advocacy. And it was because I did not believe I needed it. I did not see that I needed to become my own advocate. I did not see that I needed to take care of baby Grace. I did not see that I needed to treasure the person that I was Because I had never been exposed to that idea and because I didn't recognize that that was the hole in my life that was missing. I think this concept of this principle, the feelings that come from the core of our being are the essential parts of understanding our needs. That channel had been blocked for me in, in, by my Uh, family situation by my educational direction by the church by the church and then by society everything in society uh lucky for me i was around when ms magazine started but before ms magazine what was i reading 17 Mm -hmm. glamour Mm -hmm. vogue uh yeah you know uh Teen beat, whatever, <laughs> about bikinis and um, losing weight, losing weight, and and uh, what was wrong with me? You know what was wrong with me? Why was I so different than anybody? Why was I other? And how come I didn't fit in with all those images in the media and and uh, everywhere else? And I was able to be successful educationally. I was able to be successful in my career. I became clinically renowned for expertise in particular areas of my career, and I published nationally, and I became a national speaker, but none of it ever meant anything. It always felt like it wasn't really for me that people were giving all this credit and all this recognition. I felt like the credit and recognition was for my accomplishment. But that accomplishment was not owned by me maybe even in spite of you or something whatever it, yeah. it, it, it felt like oh yeah I can do that but
0: that means nothing. but
1: really I still am fat really I still don't know how to control my eating right. really I still I can't really be a successful person I can't really be a nationally recognized speaker or a nationally right. recognized author you don't or, look like or a nurse who gives lectures all over the country or any of the stuff that I was doing because I didn't look like it, yeah, and uh, because I, I uh, in the world of business world, as we know, out in the in the uh, whatever you want to call it, money making world, not so much in the hospital environment or the medical environment is what I'm separating it for. People are really judged by looks and uh, always first. I mean, everywhere people are judged by their looks first, but. Uh, whether or not you can get a job in the business world might mean depend on how you look, yeah. but whether or not you can actually have a skill in the in the medical world is what gives you recognition. Yeah. So I sort of had the authority and the recognition that came, but I had no self love. And when I looked at myself, and when I looked at myself in the mirror, and when I tried to um, come up with just pure feeling like I love myself, I realized that I really did not love myself. Moreover, I did not like myself. I was afraid of myself. I was disgusted by some parts of myself. And all those feelings were like deep in some well somewhere that were untouched and undealt with. And that I had not ever been in a fertile enough environment to look at them and think about them. Mm -hmm. And as I began to do it, my own personal struggle that we talked about in group and then later Mm -hmm. in counseling was I feel like I had so many feelings that I couldn't sort out anything, that I was almost like all feeling. right. And I used to do that grounding exercise that we did to just get myself grounded because I felt like I was living sort of like from here up. Heart and head, heart and head. Right. That my whole life was coming out of this half of my body. Right. And that the rest of it was just like infrastructure. <laughs> Full
0: that, of bottles. Needed <laughs> that needed work. That right. needed work.
1: And I think uh, that concept of looking at one's feelings—what are one's feelings for oneself, but also what's already there that has been accumulating during our whole lives—that yeah. we forget about or don't look at about, don't look at. Um, I was talking to a psychiatrist recently who is a specialist in PTSD, and he asked me if I had any PTSD, any trauma in my early life, and I said, oh, no, I had a wonderful childhood. And <laughs> uh, and I was telling him this story of my wonderful childhood, and then as I listened to myself talk about it, I said, <laughs> Almost by accident. Well, of course, my mother did beat me with a cat of nine tails all the time. (laughs) (laughs) But that's just regular. So he looked up from his notes and said, "Uh, "I would consider that trauma." (laughs) And I said to myself, "I have been denying that trauma. I know my entire life that that trauma happened to me. Right? That when people say they had trauma as a child, that." Nobody sexually molested me. You know, I, I think to myself, oh, I had a childhood free of that because I had both parents, all four grandparents, you right. know, the whole nine right. yards. Didn't mean anything. Right. But if our measure of a good
0: childhood is I didn't get raped, that does not sound like right.
1: a really but good measure. But that was measure. sort of the artificial wall of feelings that I had built up around myself. That's and right. Then I think... Getting more deep into these feelings, I uh, was mentioning to Laura Lee that I saw a group on Facebook yesterday, which I think might be called Daughters of Jezebel or something similar to that. And it's about women who are trying to learn to love themselves. Just that simple. And what struggles they go through in trying to experience self-love what keeps us from loving ourselves. Those are all these feelings that we may not even be able to acknowledge individually because they've been accumulating for so long or repeated so often, or uh, we've heard them from so many sources that we believe them. But they are not really a belief. They are really a feeling yes. that we've categorized and encapsulated. Right. And it can't get freed up until we get into that little capsule. That's and right. And open that capsule up and let that feeling out. That's a great visual. I think it's so interesting to um, look at oneself and l- you know, anybody can walk up to a mirror look in the mirror and say, I love you, you're cute, you're great, you're handsome, you're wonderful, you're beautiful, you have nice eyelashes, whatever <laughs> you want to love yourself for. Yeah. But to look at a mirror and look in your own eyes and say, I really love the person that you are yeah. and feel it, not just say it but feel it, Right. that is not an automatic thing. That one doesn't just get there by performing that act, and I think by performing that act and not living in recognition of all the steps that lead up to it, yeah, keep that locked up for a lot of people, yeah, that's that, true that in a way, you have to go back and say, "What was I, what feelings was I having?" When I first heard this, my mother used to say to me a uh, rhyme all the time, 5,000 times probably, blue-eyed, greedy gut, want to eat the whole world up. And uh, when I first started working with you, I did recognize that message had been given to me. Yeah. But I think the fact that I've retained it my whole life, and I still remember it, and I think... It's almost like she programmed me. Brainwash. Right. In a way. You know, to be that person. To be that. To eat my feelings and eat my emotions. Eat the whole world up. Right. And and still feel greedy afterwards. Right. And to be shamed about it. And to be shamed about it. Right. Right. So I think that when we talk about feelings we need to explore the really sad painful parts too and yes and let's experience that pain even though it is hard to go through maybe it makes you cry maybe it makes you sad for a while afterwards but we need to get, release that in order to get to god you are a wonderful organism as you are just your existence is beautiful right. just being a person is beautiful creating good in the world, any of the good things that you do. You know, the quantum physics people say that every act of positivity reverberates throughout the universe like ripples in a pond of positive energy going Mm -hmm. out. So all the people that are doing good things all the time, you're part of that universe. You're part of that creation. You have a million reasons to love yourself and Mm -hmm. thank yourself and to treasure yourself I yeah. I just want to say I yeah. do feel like there's a powerful powerful vision at least for me in my recovery of um, taking care of the baby. Yes, and I want to just flesh it out a little bit and talk about what we talk about and have done together. And I really have taught to other people is to actually picture yourself holding like a newborn infant, Mm -hmm. a baby, a helpless baby, sort of no personality, nothing going on. But that baby is yours to treasure and yours to take care of. You are that baby. And I spent many hours meditating on that, Mm -hmm. holding the baby and taking care of the baby. And for me, it was a key to getting into some of those deeper emotions. So I just want to say shout out for that particular imagery.
0: Yeah. And I think the other thing is that um, when you were talking about how we are so conditional with our acceptance or our love of ourselves, We're also very so conditional about our feelings, like, well, it's okay if I have a feeling of, say, happiness or joy, but not too much joy and not too much happiness, and certainly never feeling shame or, or overwhelm or... You know, feeling jealous of something or envious; those were not okay to feel. So the the conditions are on everything. Uh,
1: we're judging ourselves every, every minute of every day, right? And I think um, some people much more so than others. Women probably more so than men.
0: Yeah. Well, we've been. But we are to. check,
1: check, checking, and I know that men are just as vulnerable. Yeah. To this as women. Of course. And there's ways that you can see it in society play out how people look act when there's something that happens that makes them scared or makes them surprised or makes it when you see their true emotion yeah momentarily right a lot of times you can see that um
0: you know we're talking about the baby taking care of the baby and you know one one person that really loves themselves unconditionally. And if they look in the mirror, they really like what they see. And they look at their body and they can't believe how great it is that they have a foot or a hand. Those are babies. Babies just think they're all that. They are so impressed with themselves. And then society comes in somehow and tries to teach them how to be uh, a more responsible adult or something. And we lose that Self love and that self, you know, discovery and that self uh,
1: awareness of our preciousness. Yes, bliss.
0: and we, you know, I watch my grandchildren look at themselves in the mirror, and they
1: just well, thought, society tries to beat it out of you.
0: That's right. That's right. And then why is that? That you know, what does that give anyone? Well, I think you know. Again, we live in a society that are, they're going to try to tell you. S- Something is not good with you so that you will buy their product. And uh, they are not selling babies any products because there's babies have no money. (laughs) No pockets. (laughs) But as soon as they can make a buck on the baby, they're going to make the baby feel bad about themselves. So I wondered, knowing that, if there was a woman who was a nurse and... Um, just like you, was suffering. I mean, had all these accolades and so many friends and people who loved her, but didn't couldn't feel that, couldn't feel that come into her because it didn't match what she thought about herself. So if you think about somebody like that in the world, what would you say to her, you know, with this podcast? What would you hope to get for her to hear.
1: I would say even if you think you don't need it, start taking care of the baby. Start putting one act a day in your life that's taking care of the baby. And when you do it, say to yourself, I'm taking care of, in my case, baby Grace. Yeah. Uh, in your case, baby Laurel, whatever your name is. And, and, and do that guided imagery of seeing yourself holding a newborn that is you yeah. and say, even if you just give yourself the message, I'm taking care of the baby. I think even if you can't feel anything else, you can begin to offer yourself love and compassion. By the words, I'm taking care of the baby. That's a message to yourself that you're going to take care of that little soul inside, vulnerable, Scared, fragile, original self that gets beat up by society and the world at large, and and still needs to be nurtured and cultivated and supported and uh, treasured in, in in order to achieve a sense of inner peace. I think that yeah. that's what we accomplish when we stop um eating to calm down or yeah. eating to suppress anger or eating to suppress fear or whatever, whatever right. we're right. doing. Or hating that, ourselves. That we're like doing the opposite of that. I yeah. used to I remember I used to sit and think like I thought I could trick myself if I allowed myself to binge and eat. And then I would really pay close attention afterwards to what my feelings were. That if I could figure <laughs> out those feelings that I got, that right. that would be the key. Well, that's right. crazy. I mean, and right. afterwards I'd just be filled with shame and guilt.
0: Exactly. So I never
1: got anywhere. So that, the that first feelings, feeling, yeah. yeah, That so that right. doesn't really go anywhere. Right, right. I think the the give ourselves the message. Give each of us give ourselves the message. I'm taking care of that self inside. Yeah. And picture what a baby is like. They can't talk. They can't walk. They can't ask yeah. for a glass of water. Right. They can't say I'm cold. They can't, They need somebody looking at them all the time. And helping them. Protecting them, them and right. helping them. Right. And that's what we need to do for our inner self, our, yeah. our true self, in order for it to continue to have a life. Right. Otherwise, it's just somewhere like we're just in a little jail cell somewhere or something and that item being out of balance in our life that self inner self being in a little jail cell throws our life out of balance and then we start doing all these other kinds of addictive activities whatever they might be that's right uh, to compensate for that thing being out of balance just the way we might try to compensate for any other thing you know straighten a picture on the walls out of balance add a little <laughs> more salt to food to add a balance we try to add the balance only we do it through the habit of eating and or right. over shopping or over drinking right. or over right because whatever. we
0: feel so empty inside
1: because we're trying to fill that, deuce, hole, fill right? that hole and uh, right. I think that One's behavior begins to change with this concept of taking care of oneself. Yes. And it's the same feeling that I have when I take care of myself that I have when I would do a good job taking care of a patient. So yes. I know for me it's real. and it's Yes. And that's that's really what it feels like to take care of another person. Some yeah. people don't even know that. Right. Some people don't know what it's like to take care of another person, and it's no. hard for them to take care of themselves. Yes, of it's course. It's like going to school. It's not just something automatic that you know. Right. It's like something that you have to really cultivate and spend time with, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, these feelings are years and years and years old, Right. and they're from hundreds of thousands of sources, and they're not just going to evaporate because right. we look in the mirror and say, I love myself, and I'm going to stop doing whatever, drinking too much, right? right. Eating too much, right? Shopping right. too much, right? Right.
0: Well, Grace, I'm so happy to ha- to have talked to you today, and I'm going to go away with that um, s- description of taking care of the original self. You know, I love that. There's that Buddhist saying of, "What were you? Who were you before you even?" before you're, you even had parents. I mean, who really are we underneath all of this? We're sort of not knowing who we are until we really sit down and take a look and take a listen and, and with compassion and respect find out who we are.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And it's, a, it's not a quick easy no, process it's not a quick recovery course. as we know of all types takes a really long time and yep. lots of work yep but you're worth it you yeah you need to dedicate yourself if you if you take care of your jewelry or your shoes or your yeah, clothes exactly. you need to be taking care of yourself just as well You know? right
0: and it keeps us off the streets
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> thanks
1: oh it's a great pleasure
0: thank you for listening and be sure and follow me on Patreon, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and it's notaboutfood.com. Thanks.